0: there and welcome to Baseball by Design. I'm your host, Paul Caputo, broadcasting live as always from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Very pleased today to be joined by Greg Sullivan, who is the president of the Carolina Disco Turkeys, who have taken the minor league baseball branding world by storm. Greg, thank you so much for being
1: here. Thank you. Greg, what in the world is a disco turkey? Well, it's a conversation starter, we like to say, first of all. Um, but uh, ultimately it is a peacock. All right. That's a short and sweet answer.
0: Uh, (laughs) I like it very much. So how did the decision come about to represent Winston-Salem, North Carolina with this John Travolta style peacock that you're calling a disco turkey?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question Um, for us. um, We felt a certain degree of freedom um, with Winston-Salem because there was already a a affiliated minor league team here, the Winston-Salem Dash, um, who, you know, I think have gone through that process already of like coming up with a name that, um, uh, you know, generally appeals to the city. Um, So we, you know, you see a lot of teams that'll do name the team contests and, you know, really kind of, you know, I'm sure there's multiple reasons for why they do that. Either just collecting a bunch of email addresses from entries or, Or, uh, you know, genuinely wanting to, I mean, if the team, if the town votes for it, no one can say you didn't listen to us. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, But for us, we thought, you know, for us to come up with something um, that's really cool, we're just gonna have to take a risk. Um, You know, no one from the city suggested (laughs) the name Disco Turkey's. And, uh, you know, maybe, it, maybe if it was presented to the city, apparently by the way, we've been embraced, you know, maybe people would have voted for it if it went against some other things, but it, it, um, you know, we didn't feel, we, we feel like it had to be liked by the city, but we didn't feel like we had to have a poll tested, uh, team name. In, in fact, we thought quite the opposite, like the only way to come up with something truly great, um, is to just go with something that just feels right. Um, and that's that's the way we went with it. Um, you know, I don't think that would work for just any town. Um, I think it worked really well um, because our city has kind of had a what you would call like a cultural uh, arts renaissance, like a lot of cities. You know, the downtown um, has a lot of like art galleries and uh, uh, you know some techs moving in, like a lot of parts of North Carolina. But also, but also at the same time. Um, you know, a lot of small businesses are really thriving. Um, You know, obviously COVID has been a test for some of them, but um, a lot of those independent businesses and, um, you know, art in various ways has been um, kind of blossoming here for the last several years. So um, we thought it was a city that, you know, where everyone loves their town, but also has a sense of humor and, and would appreciate something that's like joyful, like disco turkeys. Nice.
0: One of the deep, dark secrets that I've learned over the years of, of writing about, and now just a few months of podcasting about Miley baseball logos is, you know, no one will tell you this on the record, but the name, the team contest about 60% of the time is completely fraudulent, right? Like that process is, you know, is rarely, if ever, you know, above board. It's, uh, you know, it's very rare that they don't actually have an idea of what they're going to be called when they, when they go into that process. So I appreciate your honesty and just saying, you know what, we were going to pick something fun. You know, is there a a peacock population there? Is there actually a connection between peacocks and Winston-Salem? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, there, there are some farms in the area that have them. Um, There's also a science center in Greensboro about 30 minutes from here that has, you know the kind of free range ones walking around the the zoo area i mean so they're not like a foreign concept but it but it's you know it's not like we have a like a I, since we've had this team you know i have people like mention us on twitter all the time so like i i'm joyfully aware uh, that there are parts of the country that have uh peacocks just walking all over the place now right um, in California, I think there's some communities where, and you usually see it when they pass some kind of law about how to enter the public to interact with them and stuff like right. that. Right. um But no, I don't think we have anything like that um, here right now. Um, we so so yeah, we just kind of say that we're trying to make ones and say known for their peacocks, but we don't, <laughs> um, we don't have any really. Uh... <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny because like when you read up on them, it's like India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Myanmar. And I'm like, come on, Winston-Salem, come on, Winston-Salem. And it's but so so then you know, the obviously the disco turkey, the peacock is is a metaphor for a lot of things. So if you don't have literal peacocks in Winston-Salem, so now we've got this metaphor for this this bird famous for sort of its display, its sort of flamboyant display of its of its feathers and whatnot your logo certainly encapsulates that right you've so can you talk about the design decisions of of doing this I mean obviously you know disco is in the name already but you've done not just peacocks but you know so this this 70s vibe that you guys are going for not just in the logo but we'll talk about the uniforms as well uh, what was the decision there to go to go full 70s bell bottom pants John Travolta disco turkey
1: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things coming into play there, Um, just kind of on a foundational level, you know, I knew, I knew that there's a name that I wanted to be the team name, like before the team existed, before the facility was acquired, all of this, Um, and, you know, I I think one thing, you know, and I knew I wanted it to be an animal, the actual peacock involved, you know, in the logo, Um, I just think it's it was something that's been. I mean, I know there are a couple of colleges that have peacocks um, incorporated into their branding, um, and a, you know, a couple smaller teams out there that have have something sort of, uh, you know, playing to the peacock idea. But I feel like it's still an. Un, you know, it 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 was like, why is there not some like huge successful brand that's a peacock? You know, I, I always I, I love them. You know, like you just you know like walking around a zoo or something like that. Um, I just think they're so much fun. And, uh, you know, I I think I wanted to really work with someone who I thought could figure out how to take the next step because one thing I've thought about just kind of before we brought Britton on and stuff like that to work with us on on creating the illustration and fine-tuning a logo for us, um, how do you functionally do baseball motions because if you think about it the actual um you know plumage of a peacock the train and all that regardless of it you kind of want it up you know you want the feathers out to really show uh you know the colors and all this and to be engaging but that's like physically that restricts a lot of options you have with baseball movement like if you if you take, first of all, it's like, you're really using their feet to instead of, they don't really have hands, right? So it's like, they've got the two legs. And so you're having to use one of the legs to throw a ball. Well, you can't really reach his leg arm past his uh, his plumage because that would be physically challenging, right? So it's like, the, the, just the shape of the body, you only have so many choices on, on uh, what you can do. Um, And so, you know, we, we talked through some stuff like that. And, you know, I think when Britain connected the idea of Babe Ruth calling a shot, also being a, you know, like a John Travolta type disco move, um, it just really, that was what I wanted, you know, it was just like, aha, he nailed it with that connection, you know? Yeah. Um, And then I think we, that freed up all this. You know we knew just with the name we were going to be playing on music in the era but i think that having that like perfect pose um freed up our ability to um make the brand multi-dimensional you know
0: sure i wish this is so this is an audio medium but i wish people could have seen the way you were contorting your body just now to uh, to describe the position that the the peacock itself was in in, in the logo you uh, you referenced Britain a couple of times in the next segment on this episode of the podcast. I'll be talking with Britain Peck, who is the the artist and designer who created this logo. You know you're seeing a lot in especially even collegiate summer level ball now with with teams going with these big firms like Brandios and Studio Simon. And uh, you know what was the thinking in in working with someone who was not explicitly a baseball logo designer and someone who wasn't necessarily one of the big firms.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great question. I think, um, yeah, even at the summer collegiate level, you're seeing a lot of people use these same couple of companies and we thought it would help to stand out, um, to do something different. Um, but also like, you know, I, I, I've worked in the arts and, you know, stuff kind of tangentially related to, um, art enough where I've like collaborated with a lot of designers. So I don't recommend that probably for just anybody. Um, you know, cause it, I, I think for us, it was the best case scenario because we were able to collaborate um, and build trust with each other, you know, kind of, you know, give him enough freedom to come up with really creative ideas, but also, you know, kind of have that dialogue and stuff. And then he can tell you some about that too. But, um, you know, I don't know that, that, I think a lot of people are just like, here you go, here, make us a logo, you know, right. and that's, we were able to not do that. Um, and it worked for us. Um, you know, I do think once we, once we kind of saw the direction of, uh, having it be kind of a cultural logo too, and not, you, you know, with the disco elements. And, um, I mean, we're a brand that appeals to people, um, that love baseball, that love sports logos, but also people that don't care at all about those things. Um, I think, to draw interest to the people that don't care at all about those things. It's a lot easier having a design that's not really as uh, kind of focus grouped and like, or corporate as some of these other ones. And, and I mean, some of those bigger firms do great design work. You know, sure. I, I, I think they really do. Um, I don't think they would have been the right fit for the disco churches. Sure. Sure.
0: So I, I feel like when you talk about other teams and, and their logos, there's either... You know, you you go one of two directions, you either go hyper, hyper local, and do something that is really explicitly focused on the local community. And if it catches on in the outside world, that's, you know, that's great. But otherwise, you know, you've sort of focused on the uh, the local community. And then, you know, I think that there's the the very valid decision to say, we're going to create a brand that has a sort of mass appeal and it's going to represent this team in this community, but it's something that, you know, is going to have a larger, uh, you know, appeal out there in the world. People like me, I'm wearing my Carolina disco shirt. Uh, I'm wearing my Carolina disco turkey shirt right now. I have never been to a disco turkeys game before the disco turkeys existed. I did make it to a Winston Salem dash game on one of our baseball Palooza road trips. But did, did you all go into this process with, one of those two goals in mind, either this is going to be hyper local, or this is going to be something we're going to try to market out there in the larger world.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's the second, right? But at the same time, I think, you know, the dream, which is actually starting to happen is, you know, I'll be with my daughter at a, you know, birthday party or something, and someone makes the connection of, oh, the team, oh, that's your team, okay. And, and uh, you realize that they like, oh, man, we're huge fans. We went out to a couple games last year. Family had a great time. It's just such a cool thing. Didn't know about it until right before the season started. And you realize, like, we, we've we kind of done both because it's like it, – it there's no obvious connection in Winston-Salem. But I think for whatever reason, people are taking pride in it being a cool aspect that belongs to Winston-Salem now. Right do you, speaking of the dash by the way
0: do you do you think the dash might be a little bit jealous of all this attention that you guys are getting i mean they the dash they've got a sort of classic looking logo they changed they used to have the the baseball that was you know moving real fast dashing and that the winston-salem dash well i have to i have to get this little tidbit in the winston-salem dash are named for punctuation but it's the <laughs> wrong punctuation it should be a hyphen and not a dash but that's that's the that's the the journalism minor in me coming out right there but, do, you know, are, are, do you ever have conversations with the Dash where they're like, hey, man, you guys are a collegiate summer level team and you're probably selling a lot more gear than we are?
1: Um, you know, not really. I mean, they I feel like they're just grateful and happy to have more people coming into the ballpark, you know, sure. Um, in some ways. I think it's like, you know, we probably have a lot of fan base overlap, I would yeah. say. But also there are probably parts of the city that are more energized by us. Um, maybe because of our local connections and just being something new. Sure. Um, so when they come into the ballpark, I mean, you got to think that the odds of them coming back to a dash game at some point during the year, probably go up a little bit. So I, I think, I think they see the benefit for them um, in any success we have, but you know, I, I do think it's cool that um, in a lot of ways, we're not, it, it, they're two totally different things in terms of the branding that for sure you know no one's probably getting either of them mixed up you know <laughs> that's true that's true but uh you know it's kind of fun like we actually like last year we had a game in shorts yes and uh, that was like you know I think you guys covered that right mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. like uh it paid homage to the 1976 White Sox um right. who is the parent club of the Dash and so right. it's like in some ways you know we're able to kind of make some of those connections um the White Sox kind of oddly have a, you know, connection to this area. Like they have the A team in Charlotte, uh, the low A team in Kannapolis, the, the dash is the high A team. Yeah. Um, and so other than, you know, Michael Jordan, who's a, sh- a Charlotte guy, right? Um, yeah. His, uh, his baseball alma mater, the, the Birmingham team, is, is right. the only non-North Carolina minor league affiliate for whatever reason.
0: So you've been around you've played one full season in one year I have written about this team three times on sportslogos.net two of those times were the the unveiling of the uniform and then the shorts that you were that you just referenced so the uniforms themselves I you know I I love what you did with the uniforms in terms of you know since you already had this 70s theme going with disco you called out elements of 70s and 80s uniforms you know in particular the powder blue but like some sleeve elements and can you talk about the the decision with your uniform set to go sort of 70s 80ish?
1: sure I, I think you know and again we we're working with Britton Peck on those aspects as well um you know I also knew he was uh, had an apparel background um as well so that was you know looking for not really thinking of the team in one dimension at a time like logo as other assets uniform like we, we really we're very thoughtful about creating a whole image for the team creating a whole concept and not even just in the uniform but what we do as a ball club having a shorts a game in shorts you know like uh, having the players just have a good time dance you know things like that so we we do a lot of that um, yeah the uniforms are great uh, you know this year we're adding a we're adding some sponsor patches to a couple of them okay um which will be kind of cool um yep. you know we're just experimenting with different things we can do um and i love the sleeves on the home jerseys like you know kind of like the old school atlanta braves jerseys yep. um yep. north Carolina's in a weird area i think they're still you know I don't know that everyone here is a Braves fan because we're kind of like far enough away, but everyone here probably in the seventies was a Braves fan. Right. Right.
0: So, right. Now they uh, should be White Sox fans.
1: In theory. I mean, I think we <laughs> might have a few Nationals fans somewhere up, oh yeah, in some far corner in North Carolina that I don't know <laughs> but um, Braves, White Sox, and just everyone's got the cable packages. So who knows who they like these days. Um, yeah. But I, I think the, uh, the Hank Aaron style, um, you know, feather sleeves w- with a peacock feather and not, you know, not the, what the braids were. Um, right. It's pretty cool. Um, a lot of people compliment that. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, the lettering of, you know, retro style lettering um yeah. bigger scripts i think are kind of cool um a lot of uniform places are like what are you guys doing but but like we have stuff that's almost like armpit to armpit you yeah. know with, with yeah. fonts um, yeah. which is a headache to to deal with uniform people sometimes on but it's <laughs> uh, the result if you can get it is really cool um, yeah and then yeah the powder blue road uniforms yeah great i I think uh you know one opportunity in the future is to maybe get some powder blue pants to go with them uh heck yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) we we have to like kind of budget that stuff yeah this year we're gonna introduce some grays for the road mainly for functionality where players don't have to like you know have different you know have the same pants all the time but right right um, i'd love to have some powder blue road pants down the
0: road. <laughs> you referenced the players a couple of times, uh, you know, in these articles, the, the press photos that you all supplied have the players themselves wearing the uniforms and kind of looking like they're, you know, sort of goofing around or they're, they're sort of playing it up a little bit because it looks like they're having fun with it. You must, as a collegiate summer level team, you know, with these, these players have a lot of choices. You must attract a certain style of player who likes to have fun with the game uh, to, to your team.
1: I think so. And, uh, you know, different, different teams. I mean, it's, it's a little bit the wild West in a lot of ways. Like there's, you, you have some teams that don't even practice probably. And you have some teams that have like almost a militaristic type schedule, you know? so it runs the gamut. And for us, we, we do have a culture of, you know, encouraging them to have fun at the games. And also, I mean, we want to win, but at the same time, you know, we look at things like this is the goal here is to develop you for your college coach, build those relationships, fulfill like our, uh, part of the ecosystem, you know, with the uh, college baseball. Um, but yeah, I, I do think we do attract certain players, um, and certain coaches to, um, enjoy sending their players to us, I think for that reason. Yeah. Um, you know, so we, we can kind of get whoever we want just about in a lot of ways and they can, anybody could go wherever they want. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I do think, you know, the thing with being a newer team though, um, you have to introduce yourselves and especially the coaches. Um, it takes a little while to build the trust because they might be used to sending players to certain programs mm-hmm. around the country. Um, especially not being in a league. I think we have to have our own um, reputation for being a, a good uh, steward of of their you know, players and stuff like that. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're working on all that. And I think the talent on the field will be improved in year two um, just because it's even easier to recruit once you can, well, last year we didn't even have the name um, yeah. uh, publicly out there for, for recruiting so i think we're benefiting a lot as uh, being one of those cool places to play um that said there do seem to be a lot of cool teams around us like you know the sock puppets aren't a bad team either and uh, the otter bots and, and some of those and a couple of the cpl teams have cool names so yeah i think uh you know we're not like the only choice for Cool yeah, kids to go to, but but I do think we're a
0: good one. Well, that makes my job a lot of fun, having all these cool names to choose from too. So, the last thing, and I'll I'll get you out of here on this is, you know, as as president of the team, I'm hoping that you've got some some sway here. Regular listeners of the podcast know that I have a, a collection of uh, ice cream helmets. I've got about 350 of the little helmets that they serve ice cream in at baseball games. <laughs> the Disco Turkey's logo would look amazing on an ice cream helmet and i don't to to my knowledge you guys don't have one yet what do we have to do to get a carolina disco turkeys ice cream helmet in the world
1: yeah we'll have to, we'll have, to have some conversations on that um it's uh you know it's a little different because like we're not the only people at the park so we don't like uh we we collaborate with the dash with concessions people about kind of how that looks and stuff because we don't play as many games as they do Right. Um, Right. So, you know, maybe we'll talk to them and see, Hey, do you guys have a ice cream helmet? Maybe we'll, we'll kind of rotate ourselves into that too. I can tell you they did when I was there in 2017,
0: I've got the, uh, the old dash logo on uh, Mm -hmm. on an ice cream helmet. And so, and I'll tell you what would happen if I went to a game in Winston-Salem and they had disco turkeys helmets and dash helmets, I would get two ice creams. So just (laughs) just,
1: that's a good political answer and it's and it's a good it's just a healthy answer honestly
0: well and it would be it would be great for sales for both teams so uh anyhow Greg, (laughs) thank you so much i really appreciate you uh taking time out of your day to talk to me about this looking forward to talking to britain next uh, to get into the nitty-gritty on the the logo itself but good luck in the 2022 season and, and thanks again for coming and talking to me yep thanks paul all right Welcome back, everybody! Very pleased right now to be joined by freelance artist and illustrator Britton Peck, who created the logo for the Carolina Disco Turkeys, and it's uh, it's such an interesting conversation to have with you, Britton, because you know so often I'm speaking with design firms, you know, designers like Dan Simon of Studio Simon and Jason Klein with Brandios, who who specialize in this work of creating minor league baseball logos, but to my knowledge, the Carolina Disco Turkeys is the only baseball logo that you have created is that right
2: yep yeah for definitely for for a team um i i've been involved in some contests you know and and kind of more kind of casual uh just more more i guess kind of fan level uh design but no i've never been commissioned by by a team to to do one
0: and I should I should say I got so excited about talking about the Disco Turkeys I forgot to say thank you for being here appreciate you coming on the podcast and and talking about your work with the Disco Turkeys.
2: Oh no, thanks for having me, man. This is this is fun.
0: Yeah, well, for me too. It's why I do it. <laughs> uh, so, can you tell me how you did get involved with the Disco Turkeys?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I uh, just I started long back doing you know just sort of more casual kind of fan level uh, contest and things like that with UniWatch. and then. Um, I, I, I've, got, I've worked as a designer and as an illustrator for a while, and um, I worked with, uh, or I got invited to be, uh, through, through my design work, I got invited to, to a um, kind of a contest kind of promotion for a group in Raleigh uh, called MLB Raleigh that was trying to build, build a lot of excitement around the idea of getting a major league team in Raleigh. And so I think there were, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 different designers who were invited and we all did, did different logos and kind of branding elements for more kind of fictional teams that we are, I guess, fictional brands that might be a Raleigh team. And um, it was a lot of fun. I did one based on, uh, based on barbecue. And um, so I, I, I loved uh, Animal Farm, the movie, uh, as a kid. So I, I based my, my pig on On Napoleon from Animal Farm because he's (laughs) a he's a pretty fierce pig, Um, and uh, and so from from that MLB Raleigh work, uh, uh, the Disco Turkeys when they were kind of taking shape and getting started, uh, they had seen that and reached out to me, um, and uh, from day one, the they've I mean you can they had the name Disco Turkeys before they contacted me. well, actually, we started on another project before the disco turkeys, but, um, when it came to the disco turkeys, that name was already kind of with the team. Um, we had started on some other, uh, kind of projects that, um, haven't really taken off, but, uh, but anyway, um, but, uh, when we did the disco turkeys, uh, yeah, the name was there and, um, yeah, we kind of just started throwing around ideas and, uh, yeah. And everything kind of developed as, uh, together. It was a lot of fun. So was the, the sort
0: of seventies vibe, something that, that you came up with, or was that something that the team came to you and said, Hey, we want to have a whole like John Travolta feeling about this.
2: So the John Travolta specific kind of reference, um, I, I brought that one in, but the seventies vibe was definitely an intentional thing with the, uh, an intentional influence, from From Greg, the the um, the team founder and and owner and and um, and I really I'd really admired it um, because you know my dad who kind of kind of nurtured me into loving sports aesthetics from a young age um, you know he he was a baseball player and he uh, he always kind of talked about um, the seventy the look of seventies baseball as just this abomination that you know you kind of have the, have this like classic era with uh you know kind of the the more baggy kind of knickerbocker style pants and right high stirrups and you know kind of like quarter three quarter length sleeves and um this really kind of like wool wool uh uniform kind of look and um and then all that just went out the window with polyester and spandex and uh elastic in the 70s and it was just this like atrocious thing and so I loved that what Greg was trying to do was was actually take what was so hated about the 70s and just like go full into it and um and I I loved it and then when he told me the name the Disco Turkeys at first I was just like oh my god you got to be kidding like <laughs> like are you serious like that's that's a bit extreme and and then and then the more we talked the more I was like yeah this is this is going to be a lot of fun because he re- he mentioned the Chicago White Sox and the um the kind of the the big you know um the i forget that the the night that they they burned all the disco oh disco
0: demolition yeah
2: yeah and and it became this riot practically um and we talked about kind of like greg's a lot of fun because we talk about baseball aesthetics but then we also talk about larger cultural kind of forces and and that there was this sort of like connection between this like kind of backlash against disco which had this sort of uh, cultural vibe to it, but then, so it, it, it really kind of patterned not to get too all into it, but it, it, it mirrors a lot of bigger things happening in our society with kind of this kind of culture clash. So when he, when he, with all that, and then it was sort of like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna lean into the, the, the seventies aesthetics. Um, yeah, that's where it was sort of like, there was nothing too crazy. Uh Um, so (laughs) When we started working on the logo uh we we had ideas he's like well it's, it's the disco turkeys but it's really a peacock and so then it just got crazier and you know that kind of opened up a, a pretty wide open color palette and and then when it came to the logo itself um you know we were looking at i, I love old mascots how there's all these different um kind of norms to it like you've got like I, I live in north carolina and you know we've got um the unc uh uh, Ramsey's a mascot. He's in this kind of marching pose. Um, and there's, there's a bunch of university mascots that kind of have that similar marching pose. And so I, I, I like looking at kind of how the different poses are. So within baseball, you know, you've kind of got like pitching poses, um, swinging poses, throwing poses that are not pitching. Um, like the San Diego Padres have this really cool kind of like exaggerated swing, the swinging um,
0: friar, Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And so I was like, well, what would the disco turkey be doing? You know, like what, what's, what's his, uh, what, what what feels right for him. And, um, so kind of just looked at a lot of different ideas and the, the boldness of calling a shot, like with the Babe Ruth point, Mm -hmm. that felt like a disco turkey. Like that felt like such a, you know, arrogant thing to do. Um, and then I was like, Oh man, the point, like that could be Travolta. And so then it just became like, if I could pull off getting, that to look like both Babe Ruth and Travolta, then and it would be like absolutely perfect, and it would, it would make disco feel like it belongs in baseball, which was sort of like intentionally, disco was kind of kicked out of baseball, and you know,
0: yeah, absolutely, right. I mean, and that disco uh, demolition night was 1977, and I think ever mm-hmm. ever since then, you know, disco has been uh, persona non grata in baseball, absolutely. So the right. The uh, the colors themselves. I mean, so the the colors have a very definite sort of seventies feel about them. So, what were you guided more by the the seventies or more by the idea of the of the peacock it, itself? With and I don't even know how to describe some of these colors. You, I mean, you've obviously got sort of a royal blue, and then a darker blue like a navy. Um, yeah. You've got uh, a, almost like a cyan or a teal uh, for the the feathers of the peacock. And then maybe, I don't know, it's not pink and it's not orange. I think the term salmon might be overused here, but how would you describe that uh, orangey pinkish red color? Yeah.
2: Kind of salmon or
0: coral somewhere in there. Coral. coral. I think coral. That feels more seventies-ish to me there. I guess you could just give the the Pantone numbers here and cut out all of the uh, the Crayola, the Crayola names for these colors. Um, But where, where did that color palette come from?
2: Well, so the seventies definitely kind of like gave a, uh, a free pass, you know, like gave permission. Um, when you know you look at like the, the, that really iconic kind of Astros rainbow uniform, um, is really kind of nothing you can't do then. Um, and, in a really like kind of pairing the seventies baseball aesthetic with this sort of more traditional baseball aesthetic that I think the Yankees really are kind of like the, uh, you know, kind of the poster boys for, um, the Yankees like have one color practice. It's just dark Navy. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and so I wanted to go as far away from that as possible. So like, you know, if you think about like any now get, getting outside of baseball, like iconic brands, you know, like the Lakers are, you know, kind of yellow and purple or the bears or Navy and orange. I was like, well, what if, what if it's not just two colors? What if, you know, the disco turkeys should have permission to have 15 colors if we wanted, you know, so <laughs> So, it's just sort of you know made it wide open. And so blue felt like it always belonged because they have you know, peacocks have like this blue head and um this kind of royal blue. and and then um, and then being in North Carolina, too, there's like uh, blue is 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 a very charged color here because you know, Duke and Carolina really claim different shades of for blue. sure. so to be a to be a universal, you know kind of, Uh, you know, uh, appeal in North Carolina, you've got to be careful around blue. So we're just like, well, we'll just use a bunch of them. You know, we (laughs) light blue, dark blue, Navy, Royal, whatever. Um, I didn't even,
0: I didn't even think of describing those as Duke blue and Carolina blue. I guess I should have started there.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've got kids and they're already, you know, it's, it's, it starts early. I I grew up here too. And yeah, you have to choose pretty early on, uh, on kids form little (laughs) little uh friendships around you know school allegiances but but yeah then then one one thing that I intentionally did was so like when you look at a peacock they tend to be mostly like blue and green and and I and I thought blue and green might be good but um we actually kind of found um like when well I I always I I like the idea of blue and orange just because contrast wise they, they 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 um kind of work better I feel than blue and green and uh I kind of got permission to, to use the orange uh, I didn't know this at first but when a peacock opens its wings uh, underneath its wings it's got these kind of corally salmon colored uh feathers that you can really only see when it's flying um and so when we saw that we're like oh there we go we can use orange and and we were allowed to um but then yeah as we started um the earlier designs were all blue and green and then um when we felt when we saw that we started using this kind of almost like white to navy blue gradient was sort of how we thought about it and then sure, orange sure. to like really be a shock to that and it um one of my favorite things about it I mean I love the logo but I also really love that kind of stripe pattern um I I just feel like this sort of four color stripe pattern um white blue two blues and then this orange just really to me felt like uh, an element that that feels very specifically dated in the 70s. Um, for sure. So, so yeah, that that was that felt right when we kind of landed on that.
0: Well, and that color palette comes through very strongly in the uniform set that I understand you also helped design. Yep. So that okay. those those uniforms throw back to the 70s in a sort of you know some somewhat specific ways like the sleeve patch that sort of evokes the the Braves old sleeve patch from the Hank Aaron uniforms. The script on the front has a sort of Cleveland feeling about it. I mean, there's there's a bunch of teams that are sort of referenced uh, in these these uniforms that you've designed. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely, yeah. Um, you yeah, know, we definitely. So the the um, when I was a kid, that that Astros uniform that I mentioned with like the rainbow stripes, mm-hmm. that was seen as just this like almost clown costume, you know. And and now I've seen a lot of colleges really get into it and kind of reclaim it um so we we definitely did not want to do that one do anything that that really was too close to that because it's kind of gotten popular now Mm -hmm. um and so you know we wanted to avoid that um but also we I mean I love I love that uniform but we also wanted to say well you know people know that one more now but let's like get into all these other uniforms from the 70s that are also like whether you like them or not they're they're great whether you think find them hideously great or you know or really great um, so yeah the the that that Atlanta uniform with the with the sleeve on the shoulder was by far the biggest influence for the home uniform um, the other one that we used as a big reference there um, oh one thing one thing real quick about that feather was Um, we did want it to, we we wanted to claim it enough as our own, so where it wasn't just totally taking it from the Atlanta uniform. So we changed the, um, they kind of had this little kind of triangle kind of shape, uh, inside the feather. And we, we took that out and put an orange circle, um, thinking that from a distance, you would just kind of see this orange shirt, uh, circle on the player's shoulder. And that would kind of feel like the eyes that are in the peacock's feather, um, and so we, that felt pretty right when we did that and then um, the other big thing was just the the like overblown uh, size lettering on the chest. Um, we, uh, we had seen these Cleveland uniforms where it said, uh, it said Indians across the chest and they were the letters were so big, the top of the I and the top of the S were like in the players armpits. Uh, <laughs> And, and we, we, we love that because it was just so, you know, over the top, like it literally is, it's barely fitting on the Jersey. Um, and then the other thing that we thought was cool about the seventies was the introduction of the powder blue uniforms. Um, and we wanted, a we wanted a uniform that would feel, uh, like home, like a home uniform, uh, or an away uniform. So we thought that was nice. And then, um, Liked how they just kind of were, were pretty simple with like a script on the front, this 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 uh, kind of baby blue, and then uh, the stripe pattern on the sleeve was was kind of where that one came from.
0: Awesome, yeah. I mean, there. I mean, it's the the uniforms are so much fun. I mean, obviously, just you know, like the logo is as well. And and Greg and I did talk about how much the players are enjoying them themselves, about what that role the uniforms have played and the logo has played in in bringing you know, players to the team. So you've, you've dipped your toe into the world of minor league baseball branding, and I'm sure you've become, you know, familiar with all the trends and and everything out there. It's obviously a pretty, it's a cluttered landscape, right? Just by virtue Mm -hmm. of how many teams there are and and the disparate styles and the approaches to branding and, and, and that sort of thing. But you, you know, you've done this one logo and it's had a lot of success. Have other teams come knocking, looking for you to, to, to help them with, uh, with their brands?
2: Uh, no, no, I, um, I mean, I'd, I'd welcome it, but, um, but yeah, no, I, uh, no, I think I, I mean, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I, uh, I, I mean, I would love for another team, you know, I, I, would really do love working on baseball, um, or any sports, you know, um, but, but no, I, I don't like it. I mean, if anyone were to look at my other work, you know, I, I do some branding for, uh, small businesses and stuff like that. Um, but. I really, I mean, I admire a lot of the uh, agencies and, and designers who really exclusively, you know, work in sports branding in that. Um, I, th- I think there's really amazingly talented people doing that. Uh, but, but what I, one thing I do like, and, and Greg and I really intentionally talked about this was, um, we, if you look at like old, old logos, there's definitely trends and styles in old logos. Um, but, but one thing I, that I think it might, and it, it might be kind of a, a hindsight as twenty twenty thing. Um, but one thing that I don't think happened as much in the past was um, because there was no internet. Um, it was harder to see how everyone was working and 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 really kind of influence each other as quickly and as and as much as I think it's possible now. So so we wanted to you know, we wanted to be aware of trends and what other designers are doing, but we also kind of wanted, um, we gave ourselves permission to intentionally be not only different, but even potentially kind of like bad, like not saying that we like wanted to do anything that we didn't think was good work, but, um, we wanted to permission to break rules, you know? Um, so, uh, if you look at like, like my, my brother, he was a big Chicago Cubs fan when we were kids and, he got this old Chicago Cubs hat that had, uh, it was, it it didn't have a C on it. It was just this white bear who had like a little bat. And it's hard to tell that it's a bear, even when you're up close on it, It, it's just like, kind of looks like a blobby Yeti, you know, kind (laughs) of snowman figure, but that worked, you know, that was, that was a team's hat. And, um, and I think that it just branding and and marketing and merchandise played such a different role in the past that, um you know things so so we were we kind of wanted to work in a place where you know we wanted to make something exciting and that that played that we're really uh proud of how it's played the role that it has um but we we kind of wanted to intentionally play by our own rules too and um and and like you know the t- a team named the Disco Turkeys got to play by its own rules, you know?
0: <laughs> well, it's had a, it's had an enormous success out there. And I mean, it's really, t- I mean, I've got a Disco Turkeys t-shirt and, you know, I haven't been to North Carolina in years. So, uh, <laughs> you know, absolutely. It's had huge success out there. So I really do appreciate you coming on and and taking a minute to talk about it. And where can people find you and the work that you're doing uh, outside of baseball?
2: Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got a website. It's just my name, uh, brittonpeck.com. And and then I'm on Instagram, it's Britton Peck, I think it's just all together, like, I've got two T's in my name, so it's a little different spelling, okay. um, but, uh, but yeah, um, those places, and then, um, yeah, I'm just kind of a, um, like, I, I, I do love sports branding, but yeah, a lot of my other work is kind of all over the um, various applications of illustration, so I, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag.
0: Well, that's why I enjoyed this conversation so much, because it is, you know, different from the other conversations that I've had. So I I really very much appreciate you taking your time and and uh, can't wait to make it out to a Disco Turkeys game.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah, it's a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Britton. Take care. Thanks, man. You too. All right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, we're gonna talk about peacocks right now. we're gonna this is uh, a, an exciting opportunity that we have to talk to Matt Strangeways, who is the interpretive content manager with the Phoenix Zoo. And uh, Matt, thanks very much for being here.
3: You're welcome, Paul. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure, absolutely. Can you tell me, do you at the Phoenix Zoo do you have uh, peacocks wandering free like we do at the
3: Denver Zoo? We don't now, but we did when I started there. So my first uh, three or four years, we had them wandering. okay. While they were there, did you ever call them disco turkeys or hear anyone else call them disco turkeys? I had not. This is new to me, so I got a good laugh out of that. So yeah, <laughs> this was the first time was was with your call, actually. so oh, no kidding.
0: <laughs> All right. well, so well, let's just talk about the the peacock then as as an animal., uh, obviously, they are native to North Carolina. Am I correct about that?
3: Yeah, well, not exactly. They are probably found there in most of the world at this point, but uh, there's actually three species of peacock. There's the Indian peacock, which is the one that we're most familiar with that's domesticated and found on all sorts of places and uh, also originally from India and Sri Lanka. Then there is the green or the Indonesian peacock, which is native to a number of countries in Southeast Asia. And then the third peacock species is the Congo peacock found in the Congo region of uh, Central Africa. Yeah, but just usually when we're talking peacocks, we're usually talking about the Indian peacock. That's what most people are familiar with.
0: Okay. So is that the one uh, you've you've likely seen the logo already? Do you feel like the Indian peacock is the one that's represented in the Carolina disco turkeys logo here?
3: Yeah, I would say so. Well, when (laughs) I heard the name before I saw the logo, I I didn't know if it was going to be a turkey in a disco suit or i i didn't know what to expect but i was pleasantly surprised to see it was a peacock so so i thought they did a pretty good job well when you
0: follow them on social media you'll see they kind of claim both you know whenever there's peacock news they're all about it like in the in the college basketball tournament when the saint peters peacocks uh, were making their run uh but then you know on thanksgiving you know everyone was sending thoughts and prayers to the to the (laughs) disco turkeys to make sure that they were okay
3: well, you know, that's not entirely uh, a mistake. They are pretty closely related. They're in the same family, the the day, which is pheasants and turkeys and peacocks and large ground birds like that. So it's not entirely off. They're close cousins. So what, is there something in particular about a
0: a peacock or a disco turkey that would make it a, a good baseball player?
3: You know what? Uh, when I think about that, at first glance, that's not what comes to mind is athletics. You know, they're not like... Uh, A mockingbird who's hopping around or a peregrine falcon who's got this amazing speed or something but and they actually do have a lot of attributes that are that are useful for ball um they're they're sturdy they're tall animals as far as birds go at least they got a you know five foot wingspan which is a pretty good pretty good uh wingspan for a bird bigger than most and that would translate really well into a a pitcher or first baseman or anybody playing ball for sure um they've got let you know really good eyes, which was the first thing they tell you, keep your eye on the ball, right? So they've got great color vision. They can see movement, you know, not, not as good as some others, but again, probably better than average. Um, they're clever. They're mm-hmm. trainable. So they're good for uh, memorizing signals and stuff like that. They're fast, um, as, relatively fast as birds go. They can get up to about 10 miles per hour on the ground, which is, which is a pretty fast runner. It's about half the speed, maybe of the top baseball player, but in the bird world. You know, they got pretty good fast twitch muscles and, and uh, they're tough and physically strong and, and adaptable, probably, but probably the the thing that is their strongest attribute would be their confidence. You know, they're super cocky. I mean, it's a peacock, so. It makes me think of, you know, like the Ty Cobbs or the Ricky Hendersons or the Willie Mays Hayes from major league, you know, that ability to just believe you're going to win at all times. And that's the, that's the, the peacock thing, isn't it? Look at me, I'm the champ. So this I is, think those are a lot of things that would help.
0: Absolutely. And well, that's a real, like, like money ball style breakdown of the, of the attributes of the, of the peacock, right? Cause yeah. you look at them and you're not going to think athlete right away, but dig a little deeper, get under that surface. And you're going to, you know, you're going to see some of this uh, Billy bean style analysis that you pulled out right there. So exactly,
3: I, I exactly. like that a lot. It's worth it.
0: Now, what about, uh, you know, since these are the disco turkeys, what about peacocks as dancers?
3: Oh boy. You know, there's a few birds that are a little bit more, a little bit more elaborate, have a, you know, a few more steps in their arsenal, but as far as impressiveness And the overall, you know, we've all seen like Cher with their big outfits and whatnot. And and, uh, all the best, you know, rock groups and things like that. A lot of them have these really elaborate, you know, concepts for their stage and everything. So they're good dancers, but they set it up with this beautiful visage. So the, the Peacock has this train, the male Peacock has this tail, you know, it's also known as the train that is just ridiculously gorgeous. It's iridescent. It has all these colors. And the female, the pea hen, can actually uh, see on a level that we can't. So as beautiful it is to us, you can only imagine what it looks like to her. So the dance as an overall is very, very, very impressive, even if what they do might be a little bit more subdued.
0: I get that. You know, you, you, listen, if you don't have the moves, you can at least flash the style, you know. So exactly. A, and I, and I, they
3: got a good shake. So they belong, a, you know, they belong there. They, they have their thing.
0: so at at the zoo then uh you know outside the baseball context here what Mm -hmm. what kind of draw are the peacocks is you know if if is are are there many people
3: who are going to have like the peacocks in the in the top five must see exhibits when they get to the zoo well you know we had them as free roaming and then for a while we had uh, green peacocks in one of our aviaries and uh you know I, i no matter what even though they're common and we see them in popular culture nbc's logo You know, they're well known in historical culture, all these things, when you see them in person, you you can never really prepare for it, you know, even when they're just subdued, even the peahens just have that iridescent color. So it may not be something that people say, hey, let's go to the zoo to see the peacocks. But when they do see the peacocks, they still get that awe. They're still in, you know, overwhelmed with how beautiful they are, especially if it's a male displaying.
0: So they're like the, this is like the, the, the first guy off the bench. It's like that, that steady middle reliever. It's the, the dependable journeyman who isn't going to be the
3: highest draft pick or the highest free paid free agent, but you're really glad to have them on your team. Yeah, absolutely. He's been, you know, he hit seven in the lineup, but he's been hitting over 270 for 10 seasons in a row. He's a good team leader in the dugout. He's positive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. intangibles (laughs) intangibles exactly how are we on
0: on uh in terms of the peacocks how are we on on their their status in terms of
3: endangerment or anything like that are they are they okay are we comfortable with the species population um yes and no for the indian peacocks they're doing pretty good even in the wild they're doing okay because there's there's kind of a, a general um in india they're revered, so while there is some poaching and some some risk, they're in general they're 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 welcomed, and then of course they've been domesticated worldwide. So just by their association with humans, uh, they benefit from it. You know, there's certain species, pigeons, dogs, domesticated animals that they spread because humans spread, and humans do well. So in that sense, the Indian peacock is doing well. The the Congo peafowl uh, is not doing as well. They're considered uh, vulnerable. So there are some conservation actions right now. They have a, a fairly, limp, not, not super small, but they're found in one region. And, uh, and that's always a little bit of concern. And then the green or Indonesian, they're actually endangered by the IUCN, the International Union for Conservation of Nature. So there, there is a lot of concern about this species. They, uh, they had a typically they, a traditionally very wide range but uh, it's being reduced. so there is concern about uh, their future. They're not that low yet, but they're, they're, there are conservation actions in place that are very necessary. So the,
0: the, the one thing that I would really like to see, since you're in Phoenix, you're at the Phoenix Zoo, mm-hmm. the Carolina Disco Turkeys are a collegiate summer level team, which means that these are a lot of you know players who are just poised to start on, on their professional careers. What I'm really hoping now that they've uh, you know that they, the Carolina Disco Turkeys are, are established as a baseball team, is we're going to see some guys get drafted by major league teams and play spring training baseball in Phoenix so that you'll have Carolina Disco Turkeys there in Phoenix just like you have peacocks at the Phoenix Zoo
3: that would be amazing that this would be my... fantastic and, and if that does happen tell them to get a hold of you you get a hold of me they'll be my guest at the zoo we'll make this happen that's perfect matt thank you so much where can we find the phoenix zoo
0: on uh, online and on social media
3: Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much everywhere on social media. Our Twitter is hot. We got lots of fun stuff on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And then of course, phoenixzoo.org.
0: Okay. And how about you, Matt? Where can we find you?
3: Oh, lurking in the shadows. (laughs) Uh, I do have an Instagram account. You can find it under my name, Matt Strangeways, author. There's an underscore there between Matt and Strangeways, I believe. Okay.
0: Fantastic. Matt, thank you so much. This has been a blast. I feel like I know so much more about peacocks and disco turkeys and how good they would be at baseball.
3: Awesome. That's great. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. See you down the line, Paul.